This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Show is about your calls if you make them, and sometimes it's about your emails, though seems like less and less often has it been about your emails, uh, just because when the calls come in, we don't have time for emails. So and there's been a lot of calls. So. But we are going to sneak in what it is actually not an email. It could have been, I suppose, but it actually ended up being a piece of snail mail that you've been holding on to for like a week now, trying to get it on the air, Mark. So yeah. let's start with that to make sure we can actually get it in tonight. Well, it's a, it's a letter from Kevin, and uh, he's, he, he's seeking absolution from the, the, the priests of uh, the Church of Libertarianism, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, Dear Mark, I'm writing to ask for advice from Free Talk Live on how to solve a personal problem. I've been listening to Free Talk Live for over two years now, and perhaps it's needless to say, I'm being persuaded more and more to the ideas of liberty. My problem is that my job leaves me an, in an unprincipled position, vis-a-vis, I've never known how to pronounce that, a new, vis-a-vis, I believe. Vis-a-vis, a newfound, uh, beliefs, uh, a newfound beliefs in the ideas of liberty. I work for a company that contracts with the county government here in the rather large Midwestern city in which I live. The program for which I work provides services to the uh, county Department of Child Services. Obviously, being an employee of a program that serves that receives 100% of its funding from the county government is not the line uh, in line with the principles of liberty. This, not to mention that regardless of the source of funding for this program, the work that I do for the Department of Child Services oftentimes is anti-liberty, so so mm. to speak. I would like to continue in the field of helping people, as I do believe that I have a vocational calling to serve others. So how do I fulfill that calling and be a principled and liberty-minded individual at the same time? What, make, what makes my dilemma even more difficult is that I have a wife, child, and a mortgage. So I have to find a job that provides a comfortable income, of, you know, comparable income to my current job. In mm-hmm. other words, I have to be a uh, responsible and, and deliberate in how I would make the transition to a job that corresponds to the principles of liberty. Should I continue to advocate for liberty while I have my current job, or should I just keep my mouth shut until my job matches 100% with the principles of liberty? Should, and I would assume that means until I have a new job. Should I change my career path and jump into business? The problem uh, there is that I have very little business experience. Maybe I should be content to be a mole in the system and not bother to change jobs. There are so many questions that come up for me in this dilemma. Hopefully you are starting to see how I'm, um, see how I am in what seems to be, to me, a difficult position. If you, Ian, or any of the other FTL hosts have any advice for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Maybe Julia could give some uh, good guidance. I always do appreciate the viewpoint of an intelligent and level-headed female. Anyway, well, unfortunately, uh, Wayne is sitting in Julia's chair tonight. He could pretend to be yes. an intelligent and level, level-headed <laughs> female if he'd like. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Which look, part would he be pretending about? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I look forward to hearing from FTL and uh, keep up the good work on the show. I love it. Uh, you know, I was dealing with some technical difficulties, so I'll let you guys feel that. Well, I'll go ahead. Um, you know, I I say it all the time, and I don't think that necessarily it, uh, it is anti-liberty to be in a job where one uh, chooses to, you know, work for the government. Um, you know, if if I'm going to have people in the government, and I am, I would prefer those people to be libertarians rather than not. 
somebody's likely going to fill that position, get that pay, and uh, do that job without any sort of uh, thought processes to, to whom they're hurting or, um, you know, what you know, the ideas of liberty at all. So I say keep the job, try to, you know, try to work it in as best you can. Um, you know, as far as job matching 100% with the principles of liberty, nothing's going to match 100% with the principles of liberty um, and you've got to try to do your best in the situation that you're in. I say stay in the job and, um, you know, do your best there. Try not to, you know, try to discern which children are actually being hurt. If you're, uh, you know, in some way taking them away from their families, I got that kind of impression. And, you know, just do the best. Try not to be a bureaucrat. Yeah, I, I agree. See, I, I also think it depends on how much you enjoy your job, too. If If he likes his job for whatever reason... Then that's okay. But as soon as you step over the line and you start to uh, violate other people's liberties in order to to enhance your position, that's where I'd say the you go wrong. So uh, as long as you can toe the line in that job, if you enjoy the job, it's it's fairly rewarding for you, and you're not stepping over that liberty line, then go for it. Stay there. Otherwise, just start to put out your intentions to find another career, and you probably will. Okay, so 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. As I said, I was dealing with technical difficulties, but it sounded to me like you've got a government bureaucrat who's discovered the message of freedom and is now in kind of a quandary mentally as far as what he should do. It's not an easy problem. I would find it difficult. I I would not go looking for a job in the government sector. I understand what his dilemma is. Yeah. Um, You know, but I, I don't think once you're there and then you sort of find out about these things that... You know, there's there's sort of, you know, the status quo. Your family's used to, used to you providing for them and that kind of thing. That's true. In some regions of the country, there are whole towns or counties where the only real high-paying jobs are with some branch of government. And unless you want to leave that part of the country, maybe you have family there, you have parents mm-hmm. there, you may not, it may not be an uh, option for you. So this gentleman uh, is thinking about getting a new career. Is that right? Well, he's um, he seems to enjoy his job. Certainly wants to help people, as he said. I think I heard him say he does things that are specifically anti-liberty as part of his job. Well, specifically, he says um, here's the uh, he works for he's contracted with the um, Department of uh, Children's Services and oftentimes is anti-liberty, so to speak. The work that I do for the Department of uh, Children's Services oftentimes is anti-liberty. So is he a government worker or contract contractor for the government? Contractor for the government. Oh, okay. Well, that's hmm. Yeah, I guess if you're a con, I was going to say if you're a government worker, then it's possible you could just refuse to do the anti-liberty stuff and see if they fire you. Uh, but if you're a contractor, then they can they're, definitely let, let go. They're going to fire you pretty quick, right? Because if you're a government bureaucrat, you're pretty much immune in many cases, as long as you've been there. And the they, they usually have like an initial trial phase that lasts like a year or two, where you pretty much have to do everything they ask of you or demand of you. And then later on, it becomes almost impossible to fire you. So if that were the case, I would have recommended, well, let's test the waters and see if they will actually fire him. But since he's a contractor, they can just give him the axe anyway. They will. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's a, you know, it's a personal issue. I would never come down on somebody uh, personally because they happen to be working for the state when they discovered liberty. If you feel as though that that's the best place for you right now, as you as you suggested, perhaps being a mole on the inside, then... There's some value to that, I'm, I'm sure, for, for many people. And uh, if you can move on and, and get some sort of market-based work, then that's, I would say, the way to go. I don't know if it's possible in whatever it is he's doing. You know, part of the reason that we we're in the situation we are now is that a lot of statists and authoritarians have taken jobs in positions of authority within their community. 
when you have people who are liberty-oriented, who have positions of power in society, then as long as they're not abusing that power and they understand and respect other people's rights, then that can be a benefit to society. Again, the toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. You guys are welcome to chime in on this. Perhaps you have some better suggestions. Maybe you have been in a similar situation. Perhaps you, or maybe you are in a, a similar situation. Perhaps you are working for the government or working as a government contractor and have begun to question perhaps the morality of uh, the, the position that you're in. If you've got some suggestions for the gentleman here, uh, the number is 800-259-9231. Now, um, I guess that you know, it begs another question is, well, what if you don't have the job in government, but the line of work that you want to get into, be it police or um, you know uh, public service mm-hmm. or whatever, is in the government. You know, should you you know should you look for another job in another field or you know I mean I I I'm not even prepared to say that. Well, we I think we've come up against this before with young people that have been, for instance interested in the longest time in being a government police officer then they find this show and you know they're just getting out of high school they were getting ready to go into some sort of criminal justice uh, path at a college for instance in order to become some sort of law enforcement officer and they feel like oh my gosh should i continue doing this because i mean inevitably i'm going to be asked to enforce laws that i might disagree with i'm going to be ordered to enforce laws that I disagree with. And, and, become, uh, and become addicted to adrenaline. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. I guess if you know in advance that that's a, a possibility, maybe you could mitigate that a bit. But uh, it's a, it is a tough decision and a tough place to be in. And I think if you know all that in advance, I think you're better off. Um, and I, there is something to be said for having a liberty-oriented person in those positions of so-called power. More on the way. would love your thoughts on this. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki with over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com, get interactive there. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. And, uh, yes, Mark, you want to talk CAI is, uh, the main sponsor of the show. Uh, without SACL CAI, I, you know, Free Talk Live wouldn't be where it is today. If you know somebody who has a business or you, some kind of decision maker in a business, please consider SACL CAI for all your accounts, uh, receivable needs. Uh, they do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. You can uh, find out more at the top banner on our, uh, website on the right hand side, SACL CAI. All right, coming up, uh, the FBI claims that its agents now may have new powers. We'll talk about what that means and what it may entail for liberty in our lifetime. But first, we go to your phone calls. Brian is on the line in New Hampshire. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. Hey. I spent the afternoon in Concord today at the federal, I don't know, district court. It said, some, it said federal and court, and I don't know what the hell it was. Yes, unfortunately, uh, we were also in the same federal uh, court building, and I wish none of us had to be there, but we we were there. And do you want to tell uh, our listeners why? Sure. It was um, it was Lauren Canario's uh, so-called trial. Uh, Lauren got picked up uh, at uh, some federal building. I'm not really sure what the details are. When, when she went to go... 
uh, get her camera that was stolen from her. There was apparently some kind of a federal uh, warrant for her arrest mm-hmm. for some uh, activities she did at the uh, IRS office in uh, Keene, New Hampshire. Right. It was a failure to appear. Lauren and Kat Canning, two of the activists here in New Hampshire, had gone to the IRS office to protest because they had earlier arrested Dave Ridley from the Ridley Report because he had gone into an IRS office and had handed them a piece of paper. They had arrested Dave Ridley for uh, illegal flyering or something like that. That's not the name of it. He actually handed one to an employee of the IRS. That's all he did. Well, no, he handed one to the employee, and then he left another one on the table there, and they claimed that was the illegal distribution of handbills. That was the actual charge. And so Kat and... Uh, Lauren had gone to the IRS because they'd harassed Dave. They decided to go and basically do the same thing and, and have their own protest at the IRS office. They were arrested at that time. They were released later the de- later in that day and given $125 citations for failure to obey uh, because they uh, the ICE guy that was there had ordered them to leave the IRS office. They did not leave. They were then arrested and again cited this $125 fine for failure to obey, which of course they did not pay, and nor did they go to the court date that was scheduled over not paying that $125 fine. So that's why they uh, were in court today. That's why they arrested Lauren was because she didn't go to court and they put out that warrant that you were talking about. So that's why she was there today. All of this was over her walking into an IRS office and standing still that's that's what this was all about yes and and we were there at the uh at the trial today and i i must say i was very impressed with the turnout there were uh, at least 20 people there and i think by the time the uh the trial started there were 30 people there we were packing it we we're packing the, the the courtroom and it's uh it's very interesting that as soon as we would add a person you know as someone would come in on our side, they'd kind of, you know, go around the building and grab somebody off their desk and bring them in. So there would be just as many of them as there are of us. Yeah, that's you know, funny, like isn't they, it? That's they, were, what... they were trying to, to show a show of force against us. Right. There were like a dozen cops in there, and there were so many court personnel that seemed totally unnecessary. There was just a line of them sitting along the side of the room doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I th- it was interesting because some of the activists were saying that it's it's always seemed as though they've tried to match at least match the amount of activists that we have in the courtroom and i don't know i think we might have had them outnumbered today i i didn't really count myself i i i i, I, I think so i just looking around you know it's like they were all on one side of this big you know uh, barrier this mahogany you know, really nice-looking barrier. and we Yeah, you know, the courtroom, barrier, before you go, you know, Brian, the courtroom in there, um, the light fixtures, I think, in that courtroom cost more than my home. It was incredible, the amount of opulence there at the the, the sort of church to the state mm-hmm. that they had, um, and, uh, you know, the, the the reverence, of course, of the uh, the court bureaucrats for the, the head bureaucrat there in the dress. The Grand Poobah. It, 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 was, it, was, it was a strange thing. I think it's... I haven't seen a lot of court cases, um, but uh, you know, it was a, it was a weird experience. There, there, there was certainly some opulence there, but but there there were two actually a couple of cool things and a sad thing that happened. The, the cool things that when we got to the court, uh, uh, they they wheeled Lauren in in a wheelchair yes. because she wouldn't comply. Of course, that's the only way to move her around. And when she came in, everybody stood. Well, all and, of all uh, of our friends so stood. Lauren, 
Well, yes, all, all of the uh, yes, yeah. the, uh, the, the her, her supporters stood. Uh, and then, of course, when the when the bailiff or whoever said "all rise," you know, when the when the the guy in the robe came in, uh, none of us stood. Of course, all of them stood then at that point. Uh, one thing you forgot to mention is that but, one of our uh, you know the the group of liberty lovers in the courtroom said uh, when Lauren came in said "all rise for the honorable defendant Lauren Canario," <laughs> and uh, I thought that yeah. was uh, I thought that was hilarious. And the the, the courtroom sort of atmosphere was not uh, maintained. No, in that they were not, they were tolerating an awful a lot from there was the a lot of there, yeah there was a lot of uh, talking you know every once in a while there would be some some sort of uh, you know louder than normal uh, speaking sort of you know talking about how silly all this was uh, questions were being Dave Ridley from Ridley Report myself uh, some other reporter were asking questions of Lauren uh, across you know a, just throwing a, a the span, questions out there yeah. yeah from the you know the, the sort of the, the the audience area to you know up past a couple of tables to where Lauren was. And so the, the yeah, whole uh, across across the sacred barrier where we, where we don't dare, you know, touch. Right. right. Oh, and so actually, was, Jim, uh, Lauren's husband at one point actually crossed that barrier uh, after they brought her in for I guess he was intended to go up and, and sit with her and, and support her. He said that he was her, her counsel. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, what? Why is it? Why can't he be her counsel? Why can't, um, um, you know, a woman's husband be her counsel? And well, the answer is, is he hasn't sworn an oath to the uh, the the great church of the mm-hmm. state there that we were in, and uh, you know I, that that was that was a problem. But I, I think guess. it's interesting that you you point yeah. out that the 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 atmosphere in the courtroom was very different than how it might have been if, let's say, it was just Lauren that was on trial, and maybe Jim, her husband, and one other person were the only people that were on her side that had showed up. If they were tossing out questions to Lauren. And in that kind of situation where if it was them that were the only ones there, you can better believe those cops or that judge or whoever would have put a stop to that behavior. They would have been threatened. They would have been told order in the court. Shut up. Sit down. You can't do you can't do that in here. But because the courtroom was at least the peanut gallery gallery area was dominated uh, by free staters, by liberty lovers here in New Hampshire. And I don't know if they were all free staters. Many there might have been some New Hampshire natives there. But uh, because our people the good side was dominating the courtroom there wasn't much they could say i mean they'd have to arrest everybody if everybody kept doing what they were doing they'd have to have some sort of mass arrest which they didn't have enough people in there for that so there really is uh, something to be said for power and numbers and i want to come back and get more of your thoughts brian i know that we've uh, just started to discuss what happened today in lauren canario's trial also cat canning apparently uh, had a hearing later on in the day she was arrested they nabbed her right she was arrested right outside of the trial more on the way attention freedom activists If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. We've got over for about 400,000 posts, probably across that mark at this point. But anyway, lots of posts for you to surf around through. Uh, so head on over to bbs.freetalklive.com. Get interactive with a couple thousand of our listeners there. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. A new online store featuring whimsical decorative knobs and poles is open for business. Funknobs.com is catered towards customers looking to give the playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even the kitchen a unique fun flair. Call toll-free for customer service is also available at 1-877-820-9224. FunKnobs.com is the creation of parent company InterKnobs.com, online since 2004. That's 1-877-820-9224. FunKnobs.com. So uh, we are talking with Brian from New Hampshire, and he was actually out with us today, uh, as well as a couple dozen other people, uh, maybe 20 people or so, were out there. You said maybe as high as 30, Brian. In fact, there were so many people that we had that uh, at this court trial for Lauren Canario that there were enough people to fill up most of the seats on one side of the courtroom as well as uh, still leaving enough people to be outside to wave banners and hold signs and, and stuff like that. And we'd started uh, talking about what had happened today. Of course, the reason Lauren was in court was she didn't show up for an earlier trial, which was all over her walking into an IRS office wearing a V for Vendetta mask. And they didn't like that very much, the fact that she was there in the first place, and secondly, that she didn't uh, deem their trial important enough to show up to. Uh, so that's what the reason why she was there today. And when Lauren was wheeled in uh, in her wheelchair, because she won't cooperatively go anywhere with the government police, uh, everyone in the audience that we knew stood up for Lauren. And then when the judge came in, we all remained seating, uh, seated. And uh, we were just sort of, I guess, getting into the case at at this point. What were some of your observations? Well, you know, I, to, first of all, when they rolled Lauren out in the wheelchair, you know, here's this beautiful woman who hasn't hurt anybody, you know, mm-hmm. touched anybody, still has a smile on her face, uh, you know, knowing she has all this support back there. And, you know, it just, it just, it just, it, she is one of the reasons why I moved here in the first place. because. Yeah. You know, there, there's people out there being brave and, and putting up with this, you know, Leviathan that we've got. Uh, but uh, uh, they uh, they brought out, you know, witness after witness after witness. I think there was four cops who came and, and told their side of the story that lasted, what, two or three minutes. I mean, the incident really wasn't that long. They talked about uh, Cat Canning and Lauren Canario and a, a male photographer, some <laughs> unknown, unnamed uh, uh, a male who was doing the photography at that event. Yeah. I wonder yeah. who that could have been. That, that was me. <laughs> so, uh, but they, but they, 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 they would have their witnesses, and you know, the the, the cop would talk about all this stuff, and and uh, uh, Lauren was able to give her, uh, you know, cross examination. I guess you know, of course, she didn't have a lawyer there, but, right. but she got up, and you could hear the chains on her ankles. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, she's a real threat to society, right? Right. These chains on her ankles go, you know, clacking around as she gets up there to the, to the microphone. And the first thing she did was uh, put up on the big telescreen there that was, you know, broadcast throughout the entire courtroom, a handwritten note that said, who is the victim? And she kept that up there as she asked these cops questions. 
I loved that. Beautiful. I just thought that was brilliant. I honestly didn't expect Lauren to do anything as far as uh, a defense is concerned. Normally, she's sort of been known to keep silent uh, when dealing with the government people. But in this case, uh, it was a pleasant surprise to see her get up there and ask cops questions, uh, questions that they did not have very good answers for. I thought the most telling was the first cop that she uh, – I, I think it was the second one. Anyway, the second cop that she cross-examined, she asked him about the uh, his oath. Did you swear an oath? to uphold the Constitution. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the Constitution. And she says, well, okay, well, what about the freedom to assemble and the right to petition for redress of grievances? What amendment is that? What was his answer? The, uh, the second, I think. Uh, no, that was the second, second amendment. No, that was the other chick. The woman said she thought it was the Second Amendment. The guy didn't know. He didn't even uh, venture a guess at it. And uh, so she made these cops look like asses uh, on the stand because they claimed to swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, but they couldn't even tell you uh, anything about the First Amendment. I mean, I understand the Constitution, eh, it's pretty long. Right, and the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, you know, maybe I couldn't quote those things verbatim. But (laughs) But you didn't swear an oath. That's true. They did. So at the very least, you could get the no, First it, it, Amendment it's not, right. It's not our Constitution. It's their Constitution. Right. That's the thing. I, that means nothing to me. It's, it's their rules to live by. Not well, mine. apparently it doesn't mean much to them either, and nor does it appear yeah, to matter yeah. that it doesn't mean anything to them. I mean, it was funny for all of us, and it was also another example of what the courtroom atmosphere was like when that cop uh, first botched that question. Yeah. Everybody laughed at him. Yeah. Everybody, all of our it people was, in the court were uh, laughing. You know that, um, as a matter of fact, uh, another guy uh, who I was listening to, another Liberty lover, went out in the hall and he was listening to them, you know, sort of having their little post witnessing powwow there and they were sort of arguing over which amendments were which (laughs) amongst themselves Um, you know so they they felt the sting of uh, you know the group uh, from not knowing about this uh, document that they swore an oath to and I, you know at the at the very end and i don't know if i'm skipping ahead here the judge referenced the first amendment sort of said you do have the right to peaceably assemble out there on the sidewalk not in uh, yeah. in a uh, federal court or building that, or something like that Honor. it doesn't say that and you know what he failed to mention of course is that well it might say that in their laws and their statutes right but the congress shall make no law it's the yeah. first damn line in well, the uh, bill a law. of rights it's a statute it's a code it's not law. Look, aren't the laws based on um, – aren't the statutes based on the laws? Aren't the laws based on the Constitution? I mean, isn't it the highest law in the land? You'd both be. Used That's to be. the idea, at least. Well, Apparently we, we, were, we were definitely in a lion's den there. You know, I mean, this yeah. is the federal government that's just so far gone. You know, it was really more – uh, to show support for our friends sure. and, I don't know, entertainment. But I, I didn't expect anybody there to uh, all of a sudden get an epiphany that, oh, no. well, maybe these guys are right. No, and you I'm know, sure I mean, Lauren... We to work more at the local and state level, but the, the, the feds are, are long gone. Oh, I, and I don't think Lauren had any expectation that her defense was going to do anything for her, but it certainly was entertaining to watch those cops uh, essentially being raked over the coals by her. And she didn't really ask them that many questions, just basically the questions about the Constitution. The trial was pretty much just the same story over and over again each cop got up and told you know their version of the same exact story with all kinds of full of all kinds of minutia and useless detail uh, but then things got to the end of the trial where they the judge decided that she was guilty uh, which I think pretty much everyone expected. I was aghast. And then the judge allowed Lauren and the prosecutor some final, I guess, post-guilty closing statements. And well, it's the statements to, that one makes um, after sentencing. One, uh, you know, one gets to make a statement okay. when sentencing comes about. You know, your honor, oh, actually, actually, it was I'm before sorry. sentencing. 
It was before sentencing. So it was, it was before, after his guilty I'm sorry, verdict. It was before sentencing. Yeah, you get to make a statement before okay, sentencing. You don't get to make was. a statement after sentencing. So Lauren, I don't Generally. recall exactly what her statement was there. It was I think it was well, just recapping that she didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't. Yeah, her statement was <clears throat> something to the effect that uh, no one was harmed here. There was no property damaged. I don't see what the problem is. Um, you know, what, what's your deal? And of course, the prosecutor said, um, you know, this, this, "Oh, that that was these the most people interesting can't part. be controlled. They're right. out of control." I thought what the prosecutor's closing uh, statement there was the most interesting part of the entire affair because he actually basically said, "We're scared." He basically told the judge, "This is uh, th- these free staters, these liberty activists. They need to be. You need, you need to send them a message. You need to send to uh, give this woman the maximum penalty, which would have been thirty days in jail. Uh, you need to give that maximum penalty to send a message to these people to stop them from doing what they're doing. This man and his crew, these federal goons, they are frightened to death of what is happening here, and they want to crack down uh, in order to put a stop to it. And th- that just tells me, that just screamed out that people need to get here as soon as they possibly can because these federal goons, uh, they can't respond fast enough uh, if you keep coming here and keep getting active, well, and they are frightened of what's happening. I'd say that that should be a fair warning to those that would do civil disobedience that um, this is about the end of whatever leniency is you going think? to... I do. Okay. Yeah, That's I do. possible. Brian, I want to get your thoughts still. Hang on. 800-259-9231 on the closing statement from the prosecutor. I thought it was awfully telling. These people are getting mighty nervous. And you may be right, Mark. Maybe they are preparing for a crackdown, preparing to lash out. But that, if they do that, we'll just bring more people here and bring them sooner. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring whatever you want to the table. Just dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. Talk about what you want. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. That, again, is 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free. And if you uh, like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we ask that you become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. Learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. All we ask is three bucks a month. You send that in via PayPal, any major credit card, or some alternative options. We take that, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country, as well as more Internet connections, bringing new listeners to this uh, program and thereby exposing them to the message of freedom and liberty. Plus, you get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Go get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. We're on the line with Brian, who is one of our amplifiers, and he's been on the line here for a little while. We've been going over uh, what happened today in federal court in Concord, New Hampshire, where our friend... And super activist Lauren Canario, who we've talked about quite a bit in the past on this program because she is just that outstanding, uh, was on trial. And the reason wasn't because she hurt anybody, wasn't because she destroyed any property. It was because she was standing in the IRS office with a V for Vendetta mask on and didn't leave when the men in uniform had come around to demand that she leave. She was out of control. She so, was not complying with their rules. This is correct, and then she did not. She further did not comply by not showing up to their little uh, show trial that they'd originally scheduled for her. So they snatched her uh, when she came in to try to get her video camera that they'd stolen from her a year earlier. They took her, put her in a prison cell or in a jail cell, they, and then she showed up for her trial this afternoon. There was tremendous amount of support in there for her, which I'm sure it's got to feel good to 
to come into a courtroom like that and see so many friendly faces sitting there, whereas I'm sure there are so many people that get into some sort of situation with the government, whether it be over marijuana or whatever, and, you know, mom and dad don't even show up to court. Lauren had at least 20 friends sitting there in court, uh, not only sitting there, but standing for her, sitting for the judge, uh, and just laughing at the asininity of these bureaucrats. The uh, Lauren's questioning managed to expose these police. They they had to admit on the stand that they didn't even know what the First Amendment was of the Constitution they supposedly swore to uphold. So it was a fascinating uh, trial, even though, as you pointed out earlier, it was just all for show. Still an amazing occasion. But what I found most interesting was the prosecutor at the very end was basically begging the judge to give the maximum sentence because he wanted to send a message to all these liberty activists in the state, whether they be uh, free staters or just New Hampshire oriented or New Hampshire born liberty activists. And the judge actually ended up handing down a 15 day sentence as opposed to the maximum 30 days. Uh, but nonetheless, it was really telling that the prosecutor was essentially begging for the maximum because he wanted to send a message. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that as another observer. Well, yeah, one thing that we didn't cover here a little earlier is that uh, the first uh, uh, witness that came out, the first cop, he was kind of the head, uh, uh, the head constable there. Mm-hmm. And he had been uh, trolling the Internet, and he had gone on this uh, site called uh, uh, nhunderground.com. Yes. And, and, and that's why he knew that there was something up. He said that uh, there were two posts from two women who, quote, you know, he said, wanted to be arrested. We're going to go down to the IRS building because we want to be arrested. And he actually had the, uh, uh, you know, bureaucratic forethought to call he didn't have any women, I guess, uh, women officers in his area there. Mm-hmm. So he called the Boston Bureau, and they actually sent a woman up from Boston up up to Keene uh, just in case this threat on this uh, NH Underground, uh, you know, uh, site was was true. Yeah. Well, you know, those so, so threats, they're, up, they're Brian, up. Uh, up till now, oh, those yes. threats have been true. Uh, pretty much any time uh, some civil disobedience has been planned on the NH Underground, it has come to fruition. So, um, you know, these these bureaucrats have every reason to believe that this is so. You had a I good just kind of thought to myself, you know, what if somebody said, um, you know, signed had an account, created a new account, says super activist or something like that, and and says well, I'm going to hold a, an IRS protest, wear a V for Vendetta mask, hold a sign that says uh, taxes fund torture, and not leave a fast um, in the Berlin um, I- IRS <laughs> office. No, no. The, and then next week, no, the Manchester IRS office. I mean, you know, running these bureaucrats all over and the state. And never actually show up, never actually do the protest. Right, to the point where they can't rely on what is going on. Misinformation or disinformation. I think that's a brilliant idea, and I'm surprised nobody has actually uh, posited it before to actually have and then not just somebody new sign up but to have the the longtime activists like uh, Lauren or or Cat the people that they are keeping an eye on just start posting fake events and of course that could well that might not be that might not be good because if everybody's not in on it then people could show up expecting something to happen but nonetheless I do like the idea and I think it's great to uh, to possibly have them misdirected well yeah I, I love that idea but but the whole thing about the NH underground is this cop was was trolling around there looking for things. I mean, it was the best ad that uh, that the NHUnderground.com uh, could ever have. You know, these guys were just afraid of this. And oh, yeah. that brought back around to his closing remarks. Uh, you know, oh, dear judge, a man in a dress up there, we need to, you know, send a message to these people, like you said earlier, that, uh, you know, this kind of activity isn't going to be tolerated in mm-hmm. our 
you know, in our in our uh, environment here because we have rules. You know, right. we have, we have we have to do things. We need to send a message out there. Do, do you feel like Mark uh, might be right in, in thinking that there's a crackdown coming? That uh, that things could get a little bit more serious. I, I don't. I don't see that yet. Uh, I, I'm sure it's on the way at some point. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I have I, to I, wonder I like about to that. that paranoid. Wait, right. I, I, yeah, you have to wonder about that because I mean, look at what the uh, look at the demeanor in the courtroom today. I mean, people were laughing at these bureaucrats. They were talking over the, uh, the you know the golden divider. Uh, there were all kinds of things that are going on today in that courtroom that never would be allowed to go on if it were just a regular day in court filled with regular obedient little uh, little citizens. And I just think the numbers are going to overwhelm these people, and they don't know quite what to do about it. Obviously. Their only response is to crack down. So I understand their, that their that's only possible a response is to crack down. I mean, they but could if that ignore doesn't it, work, ignoring it hasn't worked. Well, well let me ask you this: now, there, there's cameras in the courtroom, obviously that they have. So how do you know they weren't letting everyone do that just so they could play the film back to their other bureaucrat friends and show them what a spectacle that these free staters are making in court? I, I don't and know. get everybody re- whipped up. These right. people are They're laughing in the face of our power. We good. must. We're going to keep ahead. laughing well, at them, even if they fine, crack down. We'll keep laughing. On. Yep. Sure, I, uh, bring it on. I, I'd love to see, you know, this uh, this whole thing recorded and used as a, you know, classroom example for these bureaucrats about how to handle us. H- how would you handle us? A bunch of nonviolent people sitting back? They have no concept of no. that. They have, they have no way to deal with, 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 yeah. with our kind of activism. Yeah, they, they don't know what to do. Yeah, they're used to dealing with violent criminals who have stolen or raped or killed or whatever. And all of a sudden you have these people that aren't really hurting anybody who are coming into court and making a spectacle in court over the law. That they're right. supposed to be upholding. Right. And making them look like asses as well at the same well, time. They're making the a spectacle of their own law. When the judge sits up there, quotes the First Amendment, and then fails to mention Congress shall make no law mm-hmm. in front of it, I mean, that's a spectacle. The highest law in the land is the Constitution, and that guy in that dress spit all over it, and he let his little minions with their silly badges and all their, their belts full of crap. It, you know, he, mm. it, it, was, it was disgusting. So it, if sh- they, it shows a gross dereliction of duty, really. Sure. Well, if they crack down... Then that's just going to show more people what they truly are, and that is a violent group of individuals, men and women, doing business at the threat of violence. Oh, that was the other thing I thought was interesting. How many times did they reference business, that, that what the IRS was doing was business? They used the term business countless times oh, and, during and this they, trial. They, they used the term customer. Yeah, customer, you know, the, the, the yeah. Whole, this whole idea rested on, well, there was a customer at, at the IRS office that these, you know, vendetta women you know, faded with their masks on where they were, they were interrupting business with a customer. And I'm thinking, there are no, I don't have any customers, they're victims. Yep. Yep. It was <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. Th- their whole mindset is just so bewildering. And then there was one more thing. There was one of the cops that was kind of keeping an eye on everybody. And at one point he was actually asked by Dave Ridley or someone like that, you know, how he, how he could justify doing what what he does? Doesn't he think what he's doing is wrong or something to that effect? And this guy had no answer. He did not want to answer the the question. These people are being put into a very uncomfortable position, and if they keep cracking down, it's just going to make things more uncomfortable for them as they attract more activists here. People like you, Brian. People like me that are here sooner rather than later because of people like Lauren and and Russell and these other super activists, these uh, non cooperatives. It's just going to get worse for them. But it's up to them how to handle this. They could just ignore us and then there wouldn't be much that would come of that but if they crack down then more people are going to show up in court more people are going to laugh at them and more people are going to make fun of uh, fun of them and if people are making fun of and laughing at the government then it 
that's one of the worst things that can happen to it because it wants people to take it seriously. They want to be taken seriously. They want people to look at them and be fearful and be frightened and to, and to be in awe of them. But if people are laughing at them... It's almost over. I thank you, Brian, for your insight and your thoughts tonight. Appreciate the extended conversation. 800-259-9231. So their days are numbered. The question is how many number, how many days are there left? Really, it's in their hands. How are they going to handle this? Because we're not going to stop. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Hour 2 coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and we're launching here in hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Mark, did you tell me something during one of the breaks? You've got a story about a a man that was arrested for illegal farting? Uh, Pretty much. All right, well, I want to get to that, so pull that up, and in the meantime, we'll talk to you about what is going on with the FBI. According to WashingtonPost.com, because it's been a little while since we talked about the American police state. We covered the U.K. snitch squad earlier this week. But here's the Washington Post. uh, They say that the Justice Department will unveil changes to FBI ground rules today that will put much more power into the hands of line agents pursuing leads on national security, foreign intelligence, and even ordinary criminal cases. See, because it's the you know, it this always whole, goes that way, right? This whole scary terrorism thing is just—it's just an excuse to expand. the You state. never know if it's yeah. You never know if it's actually a terrorist that's you know selling marijuana or something. But they do say that drug war funds terrorism, right? Yep. So it could be. They say that nonsense. The overhaul, the most substantial revision to FBI operating instructions in years, also would ease some reporting requirements between agents, their supervisors, and federal prosecutors in what authorities call a critical effort to improve information gathering and detect terrorist threats. Because... It's the government that's been keeping people safe for these last six years. I mean, it's the government is why there have been no terrorist attacks here in America, right? You know, but the government also, you know, the politicians tell us that there's no defending against somebody who uh, wants to, you know, harm you and doesn't mind if they get harmed in the process. They don't. Do they say that? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard, I believe McCain has said just that at some well, point. Well, it's darn true. I mean, that part yeah, is you true. You can't do anything about because it. Because all it would have taken to get across the border, <laughs> the Canadian border, would have been... Two people with guns. I mean, if we wanted to brute force our way back into this country, it would not have been a hard thing to do. There's no reason whatsoever why anybody who wanted to blow something up in America would not be able to successfully accomplish such an act. There's nothing at all standing between them and accomplishing that. If they're cautious enough and careful enough and they can acquire all the necessary bomb-making materials or whatever, which it's possible to do, just look for instructions online, they could blow stuff up, they could kill people, there's nothing stopping them from doing it. That No governmental action is keeping anybody safe in this country, but since most people don't know that, they don't, they don't realize that, they believe that the government is uh, omnipotent, that the, the government can do these things, then... They just Claims assume because like the government's there and there right. isn't any terrorism that it the, must be the government stopping it. The same government. Where are the stories? Yeah, the same government that, that hasn't caught bin Laden. 
still on the loose. Right. Somewhere. In fact, they've actually, I think, didn't didn't Bush basically table the Bin Laden issue? Didn't he basically I say, "Well, back we don't after want him now. anymore"? Well, anyway, the changes would give. Here's what's going to happen: the changes would give the FBI's uh, the FBI's more than 12,000 agents the ability at a much earlier stage to conduct physical surveillance solicit informants and interview friends of people they're investigating without the approval of a bureau supervisor. Such techniques are currently available only after FBI agents have opened an investigation and developed a reasonable suspicion that a crime has been committed or that a threat to national security is developing. So in case that rolled right by you there, it used to be, for, for instance, asking people questions and stuff, conducting physical surveillance, soliciting informants, and interviewing friends only used to apply after they had reasonable suspicion that a crime had been committed. So now the FBI, under these new rules, if they just decide that you look funny, they can go and talk to you. Or that you're thinking about committing a crime. But, you know, this all comes down to the, the motive. What creates the motive to want to perform a terrorist attack? Well, foreign policy, obviously, is, yeah, is killing one. your family would be something. I think. No, no, I mean the U.S. foreign policy. It, it many believe is causing the motivation of others from foreign countries to come over here and commit terrorist acts. Well, yeah, I mean, if a U.S. Uh, if a Chinese fighter jet came and bombed your home tonight while you were here on the the show, you'd be pretty pissed. Oh yeah, or if they had a base nearby and and the and maybe the soldiers were going out to the bars and busting them up and maybe raping women or whatever. Who knows? It, you know, it doesn't even take anything that uh, amazing. I mean, if, if you just look at Saudi Arabia, um, they don't like the uh, some people in Saudi Arabia, and I'd say that uh, Saddam Hussein is one of them. Or excuse me, Saddam Hussein, uh, Osama bin Laden is one of them. That they don't want the current monarchy in power, and they know that to get rid of the current monarchy, well, the United States backs them up. So you have to get the United States out of Saudi Arabia in order to uh, you know stage a coup. Government bureaucrats say these changes would eliminate confusion for agents who investigate drug, gang, or national security cases. The overhaul touches on several sensitive areas. It would allow, for example, agents to interview people in the United States about foreign intelligence cases without warrants or prior approval of their supervisors. So basically, they're just turning all the FBI agents loose. They're just saying, hey, here you go. Now you don't have to ask any permission. You don't have to have any reasonable suspicion. Don't even have to tell your boss what you're doing. Just go on out there and... Catch us some criminals. That's what they're saying. This is scary <laughs> to you at all. Eight hundred, yeah, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, so basically, giving them carte blanche. It would also rewrite uh, nineteen seventy six guidelines established after Nixon era abuses that restrict the FBI's authority to intervene in times of civil disorder and to infiltrate opposition groups. So apparently, the FBI was actually prevented from infiltrating opposition groups up until these recent changes. Now they can actually go ahead and do that legitimately. They might have been doing it anyway, but yeah. uh, now they can do it legally. And according to these, uh, another bureaucrat at the Justice Department, they said we wanted simpler, clearer, and more uniform standards and procedures for domestic operations. We view this as the next step in responding to post 9/11 requests that the Tyranny FBI certainly is more simple than uh, the checks and yeah. balances. Absolutely true. Right. Uh, that the FBI become better at collecting intelligence and using that intelligence to col- uh, to prevent attacks. So this is their next step in the post 9/11 request responding to those requests. So I must ask, of course, what's the next step? I mean, if this step is to withdraw any sort of checks over the FBI and their ability to uh, interrogate and to harass and to investigate, if if th- this step is to just wipe all that out. It seems like a pretty big step to me. What's next? Hmm? 
Any speculation? What's next? What did they do in Nazi Germany? Maybe we can look to the past to see what's coming for the future. I, I or don't the think Soviet we, Union? I don't think we have to worry about um, you know, extermination, genocide kind of uh, situations. But I think that to some extent, the uh, Soviet Union is a, is a good example. You know, political dissidents uh, locked up for things that they might mm-hmm. do, uh, trumped up Thought charges, crimes. stuff like that. The move comes uh, after a, a year after the Justice Department's inspector general documented widespread lapses involving one of the Bureau's most potent investigative tools, secret national security letters that FBI agents send to banks and phone companies to demand sensitive information in uh, terrorism probes. We should also add that the article uh, doesn't reveal that the national security letters have also been sent to individuals. Uh, That Essentially, when one is sent one of these national security letters, the national security letter basically says, hey, if you tell anybody that you were sent this letter, you're going into the it's pokey. treason. Yeah. Um, so this is very, very scary stuff. Very secret police kind of activities. So what we're if I drop it here. on the floor and my neighbor reads it? That's a good question. Better be careful. Uh, they wouldn't like that very much. And the revisions, they say, are a latest in the series of efforts to tear down a wall that prior to September 11th uh, prevented intelligence investigators from sharing some information with their counterparts working on criminal cases. They claim that such powers are necessary. Remember, you hear that word a lot when it comes to government and their increasing uh, grasping at more power over your life. They'll always say it's necessary to have more control. I also love this word they use. They need more tools to Mm -hmm. fight terrorism. What do those tools entail? Well, you've got it right there. There's a tool. Yep. To continue. There's a lot of gov- tools in government. They say these powers are necessary to continue the transformation of the FBI into a proactive organization that can prevent terrorist strikes, as recommended by several independent commissions. The rule revisions require the approval of an attorney general who has signaled that, or the attorney general, who has signaled they will take effect on October 1st. So it's been rubber, basically it's been rubber stamped at, at this point. FBI agents are already being trained on the changes. Though officials said yesterday they would consider making adjustments, blah, 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 blah. So there you have it. There's more to the story, but you've got the basic information there that the FBI, I mean, their, their agents don't even have to check in with their bosses, uh, that, which, I mean, all of these things were pretty minor to things in the way of them doing their investigation in the first place. Now it's just wide open, man. They can go and do and suspect and interrogate and harass. They are now more able to be proactive, which means that they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. And this is just the next step. So what's coming after this step? If you can answer that question, I'd love to hear from you. Speculate for us, please. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those, including the updates. We will clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun show is happening October 10th, 11th, and 12th at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent. Helicopter (laughs) rides. I want to see Laura firing... A flamethrower. Your wife, Martha. That would be great. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I've seen her shooting a pistol, which uh, I, I never thought I'd see. So who knows? She's uh, She surprises me all the time. Plus, you can also take helicopter rides, and you can experience over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. 
It opens at 9 a.m., $10 per person. KNOBCreekrange.com. That's KnobCreekrange.com. I want to see just anybody with a flamethrower. I've never seen yeah. one. Um, in Except in the movies. In real life, yeah. yeah. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Mark, what's this illegal farting story all about? Because this is actually pretty serious, right? Well, like somebody yeah. got arrested. Well, he got assault on a, uh, a law enforcement officer. Assault. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't farting. It was assault. Uh, a man really? arrested for driving. This is uh, from Charleston, West Virginia. A man arrested for driving under the oh, influence. What, what's that? We're not on this hour. But no, not this no. hour. I thought for sure we were. Oh, well. A man arrested for driving under the influence in West Virginia got himself into a lot more trouble later at the police station. Jose Cruz was pulled over uh, Monday night on Route 60 in South Charleston for driving with his headlights off. Maybe maybe he was pretty drunk. He was uh, subsequently arrested after uh, failing a series of sobriety tests, according to uh, you know the TV station there in Charleston. Uh, during fingerprinting, Cruz then allegedly moved closer to one of the officers and passed gas. The station reported the complaint. <laughs> in the complaint, the investigating officer wrote that the police noted. A strong odor. <laughs> the uh, alleged stunt led Cruz to be charged with another offense, battery on an officer. This isn't even assault. This says battery. Here at the, uh, I don't What's know which. What's the difference? Um, one of them in is. In some states it matters, some it doesn't. One of them you actually have to touch the person, right? Uh, right. Battery, assault. Ba- um, assault. Assault is threatening and then battery is, uh, in, in some cases, assault is threatening and then battery is actually doing it. But in gotcha. other cases, um, you know, there's uh, no difference. Why didn't he wait until he got in the car in, in a confined uh, space <laughs> to do that? <laughs> well, I'm sure that happens in police cars all the time. Yeah, oh, yeah. So they charged him with battery? Well, he moved closer, yes. Um, so apparently you could be uh, charged with battery for spitting on, a, on an officer. So wow. this is the next logical extension of that. Crazy. They sent gas their direction. Oh, you've stressed his olfactory senses there. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to think about this. It's, uh, it's an overcharged situation. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, maybe it's one of those things where they'll drop the charge at the trial or something like that in order to give him a deal. You know, we'll drop we'll drop the battery charge uh, if you'll just plead guilty to the DUI. That kind of thing could be that. I suppose um, he probably always have an arrest on his record for battery on a law enforcement officer for farting. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. In other news, the Associated Press reporting that state and federal authorities are investigating the possible sexual abuse of minors at a fifteen acre evangelical compound run by a convicted tax evader whom critics describe as a cult leader. So they're at it again. They've gone in. They've raided another religious group's uh, property. They've stolen children from them, and they're again bad mouthing uh, the people yep. that are running it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's true. Maybe the guy is uh, into young people, but let's continue the story and find out what they have to say. The Tony Alamo Christian Ministries Complex in southwestern Arkansas was raided by uh, raided Saturday by more than 100 federal and state police, and six children have been placed in temporary state custody and are being interviewed. No one was arrested, but U.S. Attorney Bob Balf said prior to the raid that he expects a warrant to be issued for Mr. Alamo, who is 74, who's had a long history of tangling with law enforcement. State police spokesbureaucrats said that if the children in state care need to be held long term, then the matter could go or would have to go before a judge. The raid was a culmination of a two-year investigation into child abuse and pornography allegations, was moved up on the calendar after an email about plans for a raid was inadvertently sent to the media. 
Alamo told the Associated Press in an interview Saturday that no child pornography was generated at the ministry, but that age of consent is puberty when it comes to sex. Oh, boy. So these people have a particular viewpoint, which I actually think is pretty reasonable, uh, that the age of consent should be when someone is able physically to consent. And what about mentally? Puberty. Well, mentally, people can be all over the map, so there's no real way to to know just by looking at somebody what their mental state is. And clearly, if you're being raised in a religious cult or a religious place like this where everyone's living together, they they obviously have their own set of beliefs. And mentally, they may be very, very well uh, prepared for something like that in ways that most young people perhaps may not be uh, mentally. Right. It's not like your kid being uh, given that option at puberty. It's, it's somebody who's been raised in a culture... I assume i mean yeah. how long have they been living in this compound of theirs i'm not sure um you know assumably they've been raised in that culture so are, are you assuming that the parents approved of it too that that is uh, certainly something that i'm presuming that maybe uh, there may be more revealed here as we learn more about uh, the, the story but i mean usually a religious faction like this doesn't get to just keep six kids around if their parents aren't really in agreement I can't with it say, i can't say that i like the idea but i don't uh, you it's know none support of your business. yeah i don't support invading papua new guinea because their uh, little girls are humping at uh, you know puberty or even before i don't know what their rules are i mm-hmm. just don't know what their you know cultural norms are nobody invaded canada when their age of consent was 14 so uh, you know, so because they're inside the United States, I, I don't think that it's fair to assume what their culture's like based on, um, you know, my culture. Mr. Alamo was convicted of tax-related charges in 1994 after the IRS claimed he owed $7.9 million. He spent four years in prison on that. Prosecutors argued that before sentencing, he was a flight risk and a polygamist who preyed on married women and girls in his congregation. In 1991, he and his followers disappeared when U.S. Marshals stormed his complex in Arkansas, taking with them the remains of his late wife, Susan, who died in 1982, uh, and from whom Alamo anticipated a resurrection. As a condition of his release from his four-year sentence from the tax convictions, Alamo had to turn over his wife's corpse to her family. A number of people who claimed to have... Who should be able to keep a corpse of a loved one? The husband. The husband, yeah. Yeah. Or the ashes? Is it a corpse actually in a coffin or it says the ashes? corpse? I mean, wow. the, the story says corpse. They may have gotten their info wrong, but it said I'm, remains before that, right? Yeah, remains made me think ashes, yeah. but then when you said corpse, I yeah. uh, there may not I've be much left. New... Of a, there might there might not be much left of a corpse that's been around since 1982. It's a skeleton, though. Anthony Justin Lane uh, said he had been kicked out of the cult for asking too many questions and hoped he could get his three children back. He said they remained with the group and his former girlfriend after he was expelled. Lane said that, I see pictures of those kids and I feel robbed, robbed of being a father. Southern Poverty Law Center, which monitors activities of extremist groups in the U.S., describes Alamo's ministry as a cult that opposes homosexuality, Roman Catholicism, and the government. Now, it doesn't really matter to me what it is that their belief system is. Uh, I, for one, like gay people, and so I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm on board with these people and their lifestyle. I'm not. But I'm also somebody that understands that if I want to enjoy freedom, I have to allow my neighbors, no matter what their bizarro belief systems might be, to enjoy theirs as long as they aren't harming others. And it sounds They're harming like, the guy that they won't let see his kids. Well, the girlfriend doesn't want if to let him see them. his kids. Sorry. The girlfriend isn't the parent. Well, I don't know. Yes, More on the way, uh, you can take control. This is Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version and dial-up version of the show, plus a webcam. Head over to listen.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That's listen freetalklive.com You can travel less and meet online. Try WebEx for free. Go to WebEx.com, enter promo code 600 and get your free trial. Um, with WebEx, you can people can around the world can see your desktop from their desktop. So WebEx.com, and uh, for a limited time, you can also get a free webcam. Use promo code 600 and start your free, free trial at WebEx today. So the raids uh, continue on the bizarre religious sects here in America that they don't really have anybody that will stand up for them. Nobody is going to come to their defense. Nobody is going to help them out because, well, they're bizarre they're weird. religious sects. Yeah, <laughs> and no one really cares about them. So here we are again in a situation that's very similar to what we've talked about before, how the government likes to target these easy groups to go after whether they be drug users, so, I mean, and I mean, I mean, poor drug users. They don't go after the rich ones, you know, poor, poor drug users or poor Mexican immigrants, or in this case, a, a bizarre religious sect or pornographer, or extreme pornographers, the hardcore kind of uh, violent porn people that we talked about before. The government has gone after all of these groups of people in recent years, and very, very few individuals have stood up. Or groups have stood up to say, no, this is awful. Why are you doing this? Stop this. Uh, we're going to do what we can to, uh, to step in and get involved in this and you know, crow it from the rooftops and talk about how terrible this is. But nobody ever does. I mean, the, the poor people earlier this year, the, the FLDS, the, the fundamentalist Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints people, they were just marauded by the state and they still continue to be investigated by them. Uh, people have been brought up on charges and they're completely operating in a consensual manner. These people are doing weird things, no doubt about it. But are they really that much more weird than any other religion around the world? I think it just depends on your perspective. But unfortunately, nobody. Right. It would probably up for them. be strange to some uh, some people, religious people around the world, that uh, you know that Christians in America don't want their daughters to have sex until they get married. They're not so concerned about their sons a bit, mm. but not nearly as much. <laughs> um, you know that would seem odd to them. You know the other thing is that this Tony Macaroni, whatever his name is mm-hmm. here, this guy, the. Media alleges that he did these things, and the law enforcement is alleging he did this. And maybe it is true, but you know, it's He's not, not guilty yet. That's right. He isn't found guilty yet. And maybe it's true, and maybe they're just making it all up because they, he's already re- bucked the system a few times before, and he's sort of an enemy of the state. So it's who, possible. And it's possible either way. And who's going to believe him? I mean, if this Tony uh, Alamo guy, that, uh, the guy that's in charge of Alamo Ministries, if he came out and decided to start doing interviews with the press, they'd be all over him with their accusations. And even if he said, well, sorry, that's just not true, nobody's going to believe him. He's already been c- crucified and convicted in the court of public opinion because of the way the, the news media does its reporting. They don't, I mean, they may pepper in the word allegedly in their news reports, but 
everybody knows what they're getting at. They're suggesting this guy is the culprit. And whenever anyone's accused of a charge like that, like uh, pedophilia, anything like that, yeah. that's Polygamy. just the worst possible thing you can you can charge someone with. And and then right away, it's it's an uphill battle with public relations trying to acquit yourself. And this particular story doesn't actually identify the ages of the so-called children that they took away. Uh, we do know that in a recent story, the people in Strong City in New, Me- uh, New Mexico, another religious organization, they, they couldn't call Strong City a compound because they didn't even have anything that came close. Uh, but they did steal kids from those people, and they were in their teenage years. As though a 13, 14, or 15-year-old teenager has no mental facilities or faculties of his own in order to make decisions like, hmm, do I want to stay here in this cult or do I want to leave? I mean, I understand they brainwash and all that, and if you've been raised from a certain point and you've been inside a cult situation like that, you may not know otherwise. You may not want to leave. You may be scared of leaving. I'm not saying that these cults are the greatest thing in the world, but don't these people have the right to choose for themselves how they want to live. They should. And if they're choosing that, look, I don't know, haven't we all been brainwashed? Yes, I mean, isn't, and that's just it. Isn't brainwashing just the sort of societal norms? Right. It's a different societal norm than the big one, the guy, you know, the societal norm of the guys with the guns. The cult of the state, which as Gene, uh, the Christian anarchist, would point out, is the biggest cult in America. And that's really what the issue is here. They're up against another cult. A cult of people that believes that the government is great and that the government determines what is right and what is wrong. And so if the government says that having more than one wife is uh, illegal, then therefore that must be wrong. Or if the government says that having sex at age 15 is illegal, therefore that must be wrong. All of these people who've been raised and indoctrinated in government education centers, government indoctrination centers, we call them schools, public schools, typically, colloquially, colloquially, bleh. Colloquially. Anyway, uh, so these peons that are out there that are essentially good little citizens, they defer on whatever it is the government says. Well, the government says Tony Alamo is a tax dodger. The government says Tony Alamo is a child molester. The government says this and the government says that. And they are the government and we worship them, so they must be right. So it's really just one big cult going up against a smaller cult that happens to have a divergent belief system. And it's outrageous. But nobody's really outraged, are they? I mean, except for Free Talk Live. We always get outraged by things like this, and inevitably our listeners are probably pretty upset by it. But unless you live in western Arkansas and you're by the Tony Alamo Ministries, there's not too much you can do about it. And even if you did live by the Tony Alamo Ministries... If you did do something about it, then the government's going to come after you. Yeah, then what can you do? Even if you do live there, what can you do besides maybe speak out, besides maybe go to uh, the court trials that they might have and show support what else can you do well if you if you open your mouth in court um or you know to these uh you know these these cult members if we're going to call them that mm-hmm. um you know in in public uh, you're, then you're going to be singled out then you know people are scared of being you know being uh the, standing up in the boat rocking the boat right they don't want to be seen as supporting cult members they don't want to be seen as supporting people that could be uh interested in young teens for sexual purposes they don't want to be seen 
being on their side. And so it's so difficult for people like this who have, who've come under fire from the government for whatever the reason is. We mentioned, you know, it could be drugs, could be uh, being an immigrant, whatever. There's always some new bad guy out there the government's going after. Nobody ever wants to stand up for them, which is why the porn industry is under attack, because none of the people that are in the center of the porn industry want to stand up for the people on the extreme edges of the porn industry. And so it's just going to be a matter of time as they start to pick people off on the periphery, as they pick people off like Tony Alamo, as they pick people off like... uh, Max Power, whatever the hell the pornographer guy's name is, they pick these people off from the periphery, they'll move into the center. And then the center will be more of the periphery, and everybody else who's even in the center of the center is not going to want to step out of line because they'll know they, you know, they could be next. They could be next, and there's this big chilling effect that comes from all of this. Free speech is is basically put on hold. It's suspended. If nobody can, if nobody feels like they can speak out, then are they really free to speak? That's right. It's the, like the old saying: that first they came for the communists, but I wasn't communist, so I did nothing. It's so much like that. It's so much. That's uh, Pastor Martin, Martin Niemöller from the 1940s, and. It is so telling and so true today, except today it's not the communists. Today it's the immigrants. It's the drug, drug dealers or drug users. It's the weird religious people. Oh, and the pornographers. Who else? Am I missing somebody else? There's got to be another enemy. A terrorist. We can't forget the terrorists, which, of course, they can't actually find any terrorists. So that's why they're going after people like Tony Alamo. Right? Well, those laws, that those so-called anti-terrorism laws, ultimately morph into laws against the average citizen. It's very scary, and and and, and I don't want to I don't want to sound like there is no solution because there is. I do believe there is, and I think we saw an example today of what that solution is, and that is getting people together who do believe in individual liberty, who do believe in allowing their neighbors to make choices that they themselves might not want to make in their life. Get those people together, get them active, whether it be in the political realm, as many of them are, or in the uh, the market-based activism, the non-cooperative realm. Getting them together, I think, is the best thing that we can possibly do because then we do have strength in numbers. Then we can have an effect by showing up in a courtroom. As we saw, the entire courtroom situation changed earlier today when our activists were in there. But it's only because we had enough of us and we need more. Free State Project will tell you more about that coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want via the toll-free numbers, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those. And uh, if you like the show and you would like to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link... A percentage of your purchase will go to the show, even if you're buying used items. Whatever it is you're loading up into your cart, feel good, because if you shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, FreeTalkLive will get a cut. We go to your phone calls about what you want. Uh, It is Alex in New Jersey on the amp line. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I uh, saw something from Democracy Now! online on YouTube, and um, the woman there was talking about how the military was uh, going to be staging active units around the country starting October 1st. Is this the story you had, Mark, about yeah. uh, the military? I didn't know it was around the country. I thought they were focusing in on uh, specific disaster areas, sort of like the National Guard comes in and starts to steal people's weapons, that they were just going to have the military do the same thing because they got rid of posse comitatus like a, a year and a half ago or whatever. But give me more information on that. What, what is this about? Well, the uh, it was posted in the Army Times, and um, I'm going to pull up a blurb right now. It says here, 
3rd Infantry's 1st BCT trains for a new dwell time mission, helping people at home may become a permanent part of the active army. Oh, boy. So, uh, oh. so it says in the article that they're trying to prevent civil unrest. Uh, so they're helping so people they're... to get rid of their weapons so they won't get hurt? Civil unrest like yeah. uh, what happened in the courtroom today, where people were laughing at the bureaucrats? Well, civil unrest yeah. essentially is, uh, you know, some of the population saying we don't want, you know, whatever's going on with the government or society yeah. or whatever. And, you know, another portion's going to say otherwise. You know, we want peace, whatever that means. You mean they actually have enough troops to station over here? I guess. They, get their, uh, they said they were going to take them out of Iraq. Uh, I thought they were going to send those to Afghanistan. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're yeah. sending them a variety of places. But you're saying that starting, Octo- starting in October, American troops will be placed in American streets. Uh, I don't want to jump that far, uh, but I, I would guess. I would guess that, yes, they are going to be put there, but uh, I don't know all the answers. I'm just making an inference from this article. But there's one thing that actually scares me a little bit. It was on the BBS. uh, Somebody mentioned October Surprise, which is the idea that for an election in October, something crazy happens to try and influence the election. Mm -hmm. Um, One user brought up that stock shorting is going to be um, allowed on October 2nd. And there's an article here from Associated Content uh, entitled, The SEC Bans Short Selling Until October 2nd. But that's only on financial stocks. The prediction that he made was that the, um, quote, shorters who still have positions to cover will probably scramble in an effort to reclaim their losses. Some of those guys are the best of the best, the elite of risky traders. They are hamstringed right now and will be ruined if they have to pay out of pocket for the trades they got caught in. They're going to come out in hordes on October 2nd. They've been covering as cheap as possible in the last few days, which is why partly the market has been on a general upswing. Given back their favorite tool, they're going to cause an avalanche. Wayne, you're the financial expert in the room. Any comments on this? I'm confused. Well, they, they did uh, prevent uh, temporarily people from short, shorting financial, financial stocks, stocks specifically. specifically because that's where a lot of the trouble is right now. Do people make their living just, the, the shorters, do they make their living just picking which stocks are going to go down? I mean, I thought you sort of trade traded stocks and you would pick, oh, I think this one's going to go up, I think this one's going to go down. In a normal market, that's true, but the way things are going, it's it's been... It's been circulated for a long time in some of the investment newsletters that uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, for example, two or three years ago, that was a short uh, a stock that a lot of people were recommending you short over the long term, over a year. But you're right. When they stop that, uh, there, there is going to be something happening in the market when that happens, but they can't leave the ban on forever. And actually, they're even talking about expanding it to other types of stocks. So you're suggesting, what you're kind of getting at here, Alex, is that in October, the military is going to be authorized to start doing operations right here in uh, in America, not necessarily in the streets yet, but who knows? I mean, if it's civil unrest, then they'll be brought out to stop that, apparently. And you're suggesting that perhaps that will coincide, it will happen to dovetail with some sort of civil unrest that might be coming up as the election approaches or something like that. And uh, what, martial law, perhaps? Uh, hold, put a hold on the I think the problem is that if the market crashes, we're not going to be able to afford food, and that's what's going to get people rioting. Why are we not going to be able to uh, afford food if the market crashes? 
I think uh, if there's any kind of, kind of hyperinflation, um, the prices will go up and businesses will go under. Well, the market, uh, I mean, the market crashing is not the cause of hyperinflation. Printing money and in, inflating the money supply is. So the market crashing would certainly be bad news for a lot of people that with, in, with investments, but I don't think it's going to stop the grocery store from selling me an apple. Not in the short term it won't, but if the dollar crashes, that's really the, the problem. If the dollar crashes and foreigners stop having faith in the dollar, then a lot, they're going to they're gonna dump their dollars. In, we're going to have a whole bunch of dollars coming back to the U.S. Uh, from foreigners, mm. and that will cause hyperinflation like we've never seen. Um, I, I I don't know. So uh, they'd be, but but then the, let's see, their dollars would be worth less because they're willing to sell them off. So people would be able to buy up dollars. It's it's possible, I guess, that they could be and you know increase in value. But I guess the way to handle that, if if you know the, the way dollar to handle, can't increase in value, that can't happen at this point. The only time it happens is when there's a demand from different people to cover and, and if demand's higher for them, it would. Yeah. It, there's I still mean, some, I, it takes a while for the market to. But demand isn't higher. For uh, the it would dollar. take a while for the market to adjust to either one of those, and the way to handle that, of course, is buying gold and silver. Right, there are temporary blips in demand for the dollar during certain market market distortions, but the overall trend for the dollar seems to be going down, down, down. It's lost 96 percent of its value since uh, the early part of the 20th century. You said something um, that that really holds true: is you know, all these fiat currencies, whether they're the uh, the Weimar Republic's mark, um, whether it's the you know whatever the Zimbabwe way uh, uh you know uh, currency is there that's just going through the roof yeah, uh, 300,000 percent inflation the in Zimbabwe sold, the mm-hmm. sol de oro in Peru I mean there's a, there's a huge list if you go in and look at superinflation on Wikipedia you'll realize I I don't know 30 nation 40 nations um you know that have uh, experienced this within the last 100 years it's incredible but all these currencies go down in value. They decrease in value, sure. and that's the only direction they go. Generally, I mean, until you know, they fail, there's a possibility. That, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that the the so-called authorities are expecting or fearing uh, things to get bad. And, and if, for example, there's a lot of outrage over this proposed bailout. Only seven percent of Americans are approve of it. And I'm hearing, I'm getting a lot of emails from really, really upset people over this. So you got you've got a lot of factors all coagulating now, and I think. Those people are afraid that there there could be some outbursts of civil disobedience or whatever. They they were definitely afraid in court today as we were sitting in there with Lauren Canario being on trial. They they were frightened to death. You could tell the the federal government people are scared of the idea of more people doing civil disobedience, more people becoming like Lauren Canario and non-cooperating. Uh, it it strikes fear into their hearts, and so it, it would make sense that they would bring in troops to occupy the streets. And that's what you're saying, Alex, is that now they are authorized to do such things. This is their new mission is to occupied the united states and i think it's pretty scary and i'm glad you brought that up because when that article uh came across my desk i I saw it and i thought oh that's disaster relief and you know well everybody already knows posse comitatus is dead but maybe it's important to bring it back up it's still all speculation but it's scary no it's not speculation he's this is from the army times right alex uh, yes, it is. It's on the BBS. But see, I, I don't think people realize the potential for the level of duty that, that could hit the fan in the next month or so in the financial system, especially if this bailout isn't done and the banks fail. Now, of course, as long as we as citizens all have money and we can go about our everyday business, things are fine. But uh, that's not what they're talking about with this bailout. They're bailing out all the banks and basically sticking it on the national debt, which will be taxed or inflated against later on. And that's why people are so well, upset. They're, they're going to inflate now in order to uh, bail out these banks. Well, yes, yeah, $700 billion, but the real cost is going to be far higher, is what the, the people I trust are saying. 
Thanks, Alex, for the call tonight. Appreciate you bringing that to the table here. 800-259-9231. It does sound certainly more serious than I'd originally uh, It's all ominous. I mean, to me, it's like... What's really what's really the difference, whether you've got the police department dressed like the military, the National Guard, or the actual military? I mean, essentially, we do have a military-like police state. It's just they haven't really involved the real military yet. But can you really tell the difference between a police SWAT team and those uh, those black-clad men in the, uh, the, the masks with no name tags on that were all over the Republican and Democratic national conventions. Could you really tell a difference between them and the military? I mean, besides the camo versus the black? Right. Really, that seems like the only difference Well, how do you know these men were even Americans? Because think about this. Uh, they do have these private security firms where they hire a lot of foreign nationals. And if they've got masks on, you can't tell that they're from China, they're from yeah, Colombia or whatever. You can't tell. And those are the ones most likely to act with more impunity because I still think that if you're a U.S. Uh, soldier, you're not going to really get want to get involved with oppressing your own countrymen. Man, I hope you're right about that, Wayne, but I also have a feeling that if they are ordered to shoot on their own countrymen, many of them will have no problem doing so because they want to kill. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel, and today I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized the contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston, online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop so I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try. Free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever you want just by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back to your calls. Uh, Then we'll tell you about what Google is doing on the high seas. But first, we go to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Frank. Frank, New York. Hey, Frank. Ah, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight, Frank? Listen, uh, that caller that called about the army being uh, posted in the streets of the United States is very interesting mm-hmm. because uh, on May 21st, 2008, on the Internet, uh, an article that was published in Brisbane, Australia, uh, entitled, A Secret Meeting of Congress Discusses Imminent Martial Law. As America collapses, U.S. government secret plans revealed. I remember that. And the article states that Congress, for the first time in 40 years, had a closed session on uh, March 13, 2008. And what was revealed in the meeting was, number one, the imminent collapse of the U.S. economy to occur sometime in late 2008. Two, the imminent collapse of U.S. government finances sometime in mid-2009. The possibility of civil war inside the United States as a result of the collapse. 
the advance roundup of, quote, insurgent U.S. citizens, quote, as defined by Patriot Act 1 and 2 and Homeland Security Act, uh, likely to move against the government. The detention of those rounded up at the REX 84 camps constructed throughout the United States in 36 states by Halliburton subsidiary Kellogg, Brown, and Root. The possibility of public retaliation against members of Congress for the collapses. The location of safe facilities for members of Congress and their families to reside during massive civil unrest. I'm sorry, Frank, I missed the beginning point. Uh, Where was this coming from? This was actually coming from a closed session of Congress uh, on March 13th of this year. Didn't you come in and talk about that, Wayne, at the time? I think I I mentioned that I saw it. I don't think we actually talked about it on the air, though. Where did these notes come from? What's interesting, the members of Congress were sworn to secrecy, but so Mm -hmm. many of them were disturbed by this that they actually leaked it to the foreign press since when they leaked it to the American press. None of the major newspapers would publish it. So it actually was published in Brisbane, Australia, and from there it uh, was published in Europe, and then in the United States, of course, because I remember reading this, I think, around May, if I'm not mistaken, sometime in early May. But what's interesting about it is many of the things, you know, have sort of, uh, you know, come to pass, and I will say this, that I do fear that the martial law uh, component would, uh, if that does come to pass, uh, well, everything's in defined, place. You know, in the Military Commissions Act of 2006. Right. That's the where Army they got rid of deployed. the. Uh, that's where it was the Military Commissions Act where they got rid of posse comitatus, which was that's essentially correct. something that was passed in the 1800s that prevented the U.S. military from being used on a policing basis that's here correct. in that's America. Correct. And so all of the, uh, the 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 blocks are in order. The things are in place in order for martial law to actually occur right. here in America. And you're saying that these people, these government people had a secret meeting back in early uh, part of this year suggesting that it may be as soon as the end of this year before that the, the S starts hitting the fan, even that more so correct. than it now, is. I wanted to say in New York, since 9-11, we often have uh, Army people or National Guard people in Army uniform standing outside of you know Penn Station with submachine guns and you know different uh, places. So in a sense, the population in New York is very... Uh, you know, calm and comforted in a sense by the army's presence in the street, or I should say, National Guard troops in army uniform on the streets of New York. You know, providing quote unquote security. So, in a sense, I think that may be the case too in other major cities around the United States. And you often see them, you know, at the airports. So, in a sense, uh, you know, if we're going to have martial law, that's going to be an essential component of that to keep civil order. It's, it's starting to feel like a banana republic, isn't it? Exactly. Maybe the largest banana republic in the world, because we do have one characteristic of a banana republic is a huge debt that can't <laughs> be serviced you know, in the immediate short term by the population of that country. And in that regard, we are probably the biggest banana republic. Listen, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Frank. Great and a great call, and I really appreciate you pointing that out tonight, because I do remember when you came in earlier this year and you said there was a secret closed-door meeting, and you were speculating at the time as to what they uh, they might have been saying uh, in that particular meeting, and now Frank is saying he's actually got some of the notes. No, I remember. Th- I had the notes there, you too. Oh, okay. But I just don't recall if we talked about it on the air or offline or not. But I don't either. Yeah, I've been on air. I think it may have been a little bit too controversial 
controversial at the time or maybe not as well researched or uh, mm-hmm. verified. So I don't think you wanted to go with it on the air at that time. But I, I remember discussing it with you off, off air. Yeah, that may have been the case. So this is pretty disturbing stuff then. It is. And actually, about a month or two ago, I remember a lot of people in uh, their pretty knowledgeable in economics and with the financial system saying that mid-September was going to be the time when the, when the next big wave of foreclosures, bankruptcies, whatever, were going to hit the financial system. It was going to be a pretty bad wave, worse than the Bear Stearns one, and it's proven to be correct. And now what are we, six weeks out from the next election? We are, and it looks like it's blowing up before they really wanted it to. Well, I would think so. Um, you know, if if they are the people, uh, you know, the the, the people of the White House, um, then they would have liked to, you know, wait any problems until after the election when their guy was, uh, you know, would would have gotten in. So I, I don't know. I mean, it it, it orchestrated. We we'll continue like here. It. X is on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, X. X about, on the line. Hello. What do we do about these troops? What are we going to do? Uh, well, what I mean, they're not here yet, and they, uh, as far as what we're going to do is concerned, I would suggest some sort of uh, peaceful civil disobedience uh, be performed. Well, yeah, I they... don't want to fight the American military. I mean, if you've seen any of the video footage out of their drones, like, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. And, like, they'll use those on us. And, I mean, I don't see, like civil disobedience working if the military is in the street because basically the the powers that be if they got their knights down on your king i mean they got you well at some point it it may have to uh go to violence i hope to avoid that if if at all possible and so i think that you know we need to feel out the situation see what exactly is going on start brainstorming ways to uh to be nonviolent, to be peaceful and to be civilly disobedient and to be non-cooperative and encourage others to do that as well try that those things out see what happens analyze the results change the plan if necessary but I, I'm going to be the last person calling for uh, for violence. But if what they want oh, is sure violence we... and they start initiating force on people, then at some point it's only appropriate to respond in kind. At, at that point, if they start cracking in heads and they start hurting people and they start doing violence to us, then I think it is really uh, it's going to be time to there grab for the ballot no box. Stopping it. Yeah. You know, the, the powers yeah, of be I mean... are, are a small number of people, and they'll do anything to maintain their power. And we have to remember that. So afraid of those drones because, like, I mean, you can dig a hole and you can put a space blanket over the top, and the IR won't see you, but I don't see the gas coming out. Like, it's so hard to hide from those drones. And I just, it well, would that, have to be a bunch of dudes just going on like walking tall missions, man. Like, just I mean, individual actions. And well, what about I just in don't Afghanistan? It's like a a good. Uh, like I mean, it just wouldn't seem like that would you'd, you'd end up being an old man. The drone, the drones are definitely a an innovation, which hopefully won't be ever used in the U.S. citizenry. But obviously, there are They're people. They're using them right now. I live in Humboldt County, California, and they have drones flying over. Looking I mean, for pot plants or something. Here. Yeah, looking for pot plants yep. and stuff. So I mean, they're flying them here, and so I mean, why if they can fly them here, why wouldn't they fly them? Over your house. It's just, it's it's mind-boggling to think about what could happen here as far as the police state cracking down ever further. I I don't like to think about it because I don't like to to ponder violence and I don't like to get into oh. that mindset. And so let's oh. keep it let's keep it peaceful and and keep our brainstorming to what we can do peacefully, civilly disobedient, non-cooperative in order to uh, slow down the machinations of the state and to stop the progression of the police state as much as we possibly can. I don't know what that means. I'm just you know. I'm just 
throwing it out there. I'd love to hear some other ideas. And X, thank it's you for the, the call. Line in the sand. Well, everyone does need to have a line in the sand. And I think that them initiating that. violence, and I thank you for the call tonight, them initiating violence directly, I understand one could make the argument they've been initiating violence, but them actually hurting people that you're close to and you're nearby, that seems like the line in the sand for me. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features, they are free, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can download an entire year's worth of them right there from the front page of the website. Click, and they're yours. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy that. Again, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And I highly recommend you go and take a look at the Free State Project. I mean, as the news becomes more and more dire about this situation we're facing in this country with this American police state that just keeps getting worse... You have to ask yourself if you have a line in the sand as far as, you know, when it's time to reach for the ballot box. Well, do you have another line that's maybe earlier on, like where you're ready to take action that's not violent? I mean, people shouldn't just jump right to violence. We need to try everything we possibly can first uh, that's that's peaceful in order to hopefully evolve instead of revolve. I know it's called the Second American Revolution, but I like the idea of evolving past this idea of government and this idea of the coercive state. Let's try everything that's peaceful that we possibly can uh, to get to that end goal before violence is resorted to. Do you have a line in the sand that was is the line that it'll take for the, the state to cross in order for you to join the Free State Project, in order for you to move to New Hampshire, in order for you to get active in peaceful ways, whether it be inside the political system or in the marketplace, non-cooperative activism? Do you have a line? And if you don't, you should think about it. Maybe they've crossed it years ago and you're ready to move. Go to freestateproject.org. Get signed up because if things do get worse, there's still going to be no better place to be than in New Hampshire surrounded by people that that think similarly to you. One thing I can tell you, uh, I can predict for the future as far as government goes, it's not going to get smaller. Yeah, that's a safe. I'd say that's a safe prediction. And I put money all on government that. is is really a monopoly privilege on the use of force. So are they going to use more force than American citizens? Well, ma- many repressive regimes have collapsed on their own without firing a shot, and let's hope and pray that happens uh, in this case. I agree. Let's continue and talk to Matt, uh, listening to, in Illinois, on the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Hey, guys. I'm listening on the Internet. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Um, okay. Uh, I was actually going to call on Tuesday, but I didn't get, a, get the time. But um, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine. And he's a homeowner here in Illinois, and uh, property values have been dropping uh, precipitously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, out here in the western suburbs, at the edge of civilization, and um, he got his property tax bill about a week or so ago, and they put the value of his home up a couple of thousand dollars, <laughs> raised his taxes. Right. So he uh, called his uh, his local. Uh, uh, bureaucrat, and I uh, was talking to him about it and saying, you know, look, this is wrong. 
property values have gone down, my taxes should go down. And the bureaucrat more or less uh, laughed in his face and said, your taxes will never go down. Wow. We need the money to pay for the schools and the roads blah, and the police blah, blah. Right. and you know, the fire. These bureaucrats got fat wow. and lazy um, on the, you know, the, 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 the property tax values that were going up, up, up during this property boom that went on over the, you know, a few years ago. Um, everyone remembers it. And they got used to that money. Can you imagine them saying, well, no, uh, we, we'll just, we'll, uh, we're going to take. We're going to cut back. Yeah, we're going to cut back because we know it's tough on everybody. Come on. Well, wait, so there's no what? abatement process there in Illinois? I'm sorry. No, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I'm, I'm just relating to you something that I was told. Um, wow, I that's don't amazing. Have to worry about that. Yet another but, comparison um, between uh, the New Hampshire bureaucrats and the bureaucrats elsewhere. Again, the bureaucrats here are just a little bit nicer. They do have an abatement process where you go in, you basically say, look, here's uh, five other houses that sold in the general vicinity. You know, they're co- comparable. This is what they sold for. Here's what mine sold for. Here's the value from an independent guy that came to look at it. And uh, you show them all this paperwork that basically says, hey, my house is worth less. And they pretty much have to uh, value it down. But, well, that sounds like a lot of footwork. Yeah. Well, oh, it's, it's, but, sure it is. If it'll save you a thousand bucks a year or whatever, it's it's probably worthwhile. Sorry well, to hear about know, that story. Well, I don't know. Here's the rest of the story. Okay. Right? I don't I don't know about the abatement process or anything, but I do know that he lives in a subdivision where there's about a half a dozen empty homes right now that cannot sell, and there's mm. a number of people who have sold it. Maybe half what the houses have been valued at. They've they've been selling it for real, real dirt cheap out there. Because Should be able to show comparables. Where, sure, and that drives the price right. down further. Right. So he he uh, went over to a neighbor's house, and there was four or five of them gathered at this one guy's house. And this is just something that they do. And he said, "Hey, did anybody else get their tax records?" And they were talking, and one of his neighbors, you know, they all said, "Yeah, we got them," and they were all mad as hell. And one of his neighbors actually came right out and said, you know, there's going to be a revolution in this country. We cannot keep taking this up. Now, these are people they they don't know well, but these are guys that are just regular blue-collar workers who aren't listening to Liberty Radio, as far as I know, Mm -hmm. who who aren't going to Liberty websites or anything like that. These are just your your standard run-of-the-mill blue-collar Republicans talking together. I, I think it's good. It's good, to, uh, good to have people talking like that behind closed doors. And I hope. Well, that I hope that what they when, when they're saying revolution, they they want to change. They're not uh, looking for you know. Uh, oh, people I to get think hurt. this guy was talking violent revolution. I mean, yeah. I don't know the guy personally, but just I'm That's just kind judging of the, by the implication the, with the, the revolution. Kind of neighborhood. Right. But that's right. the kind of stuff the powers that be are afraid of. And, sure, they are. And the more exactly. rapac- the more rapacious government becomes with taxation. Regardless of how desperate they are, it leads to three things: flight, fight, flight, and fraud. Right. People can only put up with it financially for so long before they can be put out on the street. Matt, thanks for the call tonight and the story. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Blake in North Carolina. Blake, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Blake, what's on Good. your mind? I want to talk about that uh, article you're reading about the uh, Army unit being stationed in the United States. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm, a- I'm actually uh, in the military, so I want to give you a different, you know, maybe less hysterical uh, perspective on it. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, the most important line in that article is probably stating the fact that they spent the last 35 or the last 60 months in Iraq, and now they're going to take a tour of 12 months back home. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that screams uh, rest and recuperation, and anything else they might be doing, whether it's crowd control or whatever, it's simply because they have to have some kind of mission. 
they can't just be, you know, resting on their laurels doing nothing. So the command gets together and is like, okay, what are we going to teach these guys? Well, we're in the United States. Uh, let's do crowd control. Okay, fine. How come they haven't been and, reporting that all along, though? I mean, why, why haven't all the uh, you know soldiers that come back from Iraq been on uh, you know civil patrol or whatever it is that they're claiming here? Why wouldn't they report that's what they're doing? Yeah, well, well it, it, you know, it, it seems like a news article. In news articles, you don't report on horses; you report on zebras. Um, right. So, you know, why haven't they been saying that that's what's been going on with all the troops that have been coming back from Iraq? Uh, if, well, I think it's all speculation. But uh, the article was from the Army Times, and they like to uh, talk themselves up a bit. Uh, these are the new missions we are capable of doing. This is our new skill set we're capable, and it's. I see where you're coming from on that, and I definitely understand it is the Army time, so they want to make it look like, look, now we're coming home to help out the people at home. That's certainly the uh, the, the thrust of the article. However, when it does come time to steal guns from people, uh, lock up civil, di- you know, civil disobedience, and harass people, they are going to follow those orders. Most of them, probably not you, but most of them. More on the way. Thanks for the call. Free talk live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and they include... The Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. I've been taking this uh, diet supplement called Dexy 20 for, well, I guess, uh, six or seven weeks now, and I've lost mm, five pounds. And, you know, it may not seem like a whole bunch to lose five pounds, uh, but when you think about I haven't done anything different. I'm not going out and exercising. I'm not eating any different. I just don't feel like eating as much, and I'm losing weight. All I have to do to lose weight, all you have to do to lose weight with Dexy 20 is take the pills twice a day. Um, you know, go to Walgreens, CVS, GNC, get started ta- losing weight the easy way with Dex C20 or diet.freetalklive.com. As we continue with your calls, Dennis in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Dennis. Greetings, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? On the subject of, of the army and the posse comitatus and stuff, I'm I'm finding you know I, I call myself an, an anarchist political activist, and that's just because I'm I'm trying to do what I think is the most direct path towards liberty as, as I see it. And something that I see really works well with these people, not immediately, not completely, but works well with some of these people. These people the being government people. Yeah. Okay. Legislators. Gotcha. The Constitution, they all have a mystical reverence somehow for the Constitution, even if they've never read it, even if they wipe their butts with it, they think they should follow it. Mm -hmm. So I want to read you three sentences, okay, just three sentences, they're short ones, from the New Hampshire Constitution, Part the First, the Bill of Rights. Um, New Hampshire Constitution is cool because they put the Bill of Rights first. And before I do, just one little note, militia back in the day meant Every able-bodied man between the ages of 18 and 60-something. Yeah. Okay, so the militia was supposed to be everybody. (coughs) Gotcha. Okay. Three articles. They come one after the other. 
Number one, a well-regulated militia is the proper, natural, and sure defense of a state. The very next article says, standing armies are dangerous to liberty and ought not to be raised or kept up without the consent of the legislature. Keep in mind that the legislature gets reelected every two years, Mm -hmm. kind of like the federal thing. Lastly, um, the very next article says, quote, in all cases and at all times, the military ought to be under strict subordination to and governed by the civil power. What's that mean? What that means is it it basically tries to say you can – basically what it tries to say is the average person is what ought to be defending the country, the the militia, just you and me with our own guns. That's the defense of the country. And that standing armies are dangerous. You shouldn't do them. And if you're going to do one, the the legislature has to vote it in and has to keep it in. It has to be kind of a – if you will, a popular thing, which unfortunately it's sort of become popular, but yeah. popular in the sense of actively popular. Like, are we going to do this again? Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll keep it up. Now that and was for lastly, if. Now that was for if New Hampshire wanted to start its own military. Well, it always did have. I don't know. I mean, if this I is the New Hampshire Constitution. Uh, the theory was that when when the larger political unit, like the the Confederacy or later the United States. Mm-hmm needs a whole bunch of guys with guns, the governor of the state would call up the militia and might offer the militia to the president. And and that there wouldn't be an army at all times. Right. There wouldn't be a, a, a navy, an army or a navy. They just wouldn't be. What would happen is the militia would get called up, and they would act as an army probably for two years since. And if you, know, if you haven't repelled the invader in two years, then fine, you... You know, you vote that the army keep going because you're still under attack. And I would, right. assume, I would assume the governor of each state also has the right to say no, which if the law, if the the, law, the conflict is not perceived as just by many of the governors, they... The like federal, occupying the streets of America? Yes. Then maybe they wouldn't have enough guys to do it. Exactly. That's the theory of how our defense is laid out. And the fact that these three articles are boom, 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 one after the other, and they're not big, long ones. They're one-sentence articles. That's for a reason. It's to get the point across. The New Hampshire Constitution actually also has a right to revolution, as I understand it. Yeah, it does. And in fact, I uh, I had some words from my own um, so-called representative. They they did their typical crap um, Actually, it's it's not very typical. It's typical, to be frank with you, of the people that are currently in power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I'll, I'll say it, the Democratic Party that's in power now that hasn't been in power for 100 years and I hope is not in power for another 100 years, they're doing this stuff a lot more frequently than than is tradition, I should say. They held a special emergency session. where the, you know, it, They were out of session months ago. It's all over. You're done. You're supposed to wait a couple more months before you do anything. Mm-hmm. They had an emergency session. The first thing they did in the emergency session was suspend all their own rules. Of course. Yeah, that's always scary when they do that. Oh, yeah. Then, the, um, so, so that, that's so they could ram down some legislation without having to follow the rules, which involve at least two public hearings before anything nice. is signed into law. Yeah, they don't like that. And the emergency was, it's going to be winter, it's going to be cold, and few prices are high, so we need to give $10 million to those who cannot afford their heating oil this winter. And unfortunately, that passed. Mm. And so, you know, my words to um, 
from my representative, which, of course, I put as an op-ed in the newspaper because I want not just the rep to read it, but the, the voters, are that, yeah, hey, sure. Article 10 of the New Hampshire Constitution gives us our right to revolution, and it actually spells out when we're supposed to do it. Really? Yeah, what, it does. When does it? It, it's a, you know, it, it says that um, when government, let's see, it says the government is supposed to be for the whole community and not for the private interest of any one man, family, or class of men. And that what you voted to do, misrepresentative, is to benefit a class of people. Benefit exactly one class of people, those who cannot afford their heating oil at my expense. Dennis, do you want people to freeze this winter? You're such a heartless libertarian. Well, you know, I think when you talk, when you talk about these things, I think what you have to do when you uh, chastise them for doing it this way is to give the alternative of how yeah, it I could agree. be better done. Otherwise, you're just looking like a curmudgeon. That's why I called you out, Dennis. What's the solution to helping people with heating problems? Well, this is what I suggested. I said, well, you could have done this honorably by offering up some of your own money and suggesting that others do the same, in which case I would have been first in line to join you. Great point. Excellent. Great point. Love it. Dennis, and of course, great call. There's my favorite line of mm-hmm. the entire thing, and it's in the Right to Revolution. The doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slave-ish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. Is that, that great? That sounds to me like civil disobedience. Yep, uh-huh. absolutely. And uh, it's it's high time for uh, for more of it, I think. I, my, one of my favorite parts in the New Hampshire Constitution has to be Article 1. Uh, which says that all men are born equally free and independent, therefore all government of right originates from the people, is founded in consent. So, Well, there's also a uh, an article in the New Hampshire Constitution that says that uh, every man should be able to bear arms um, in defense of himself, his family, and the state, which is the most disturbing part of that. Um, but they've passed unconstitutional laws um, in that regard. New Hampshire has some of the most restrictive weapons laws against uh, convicted felons. I know. I am one. And I can't so much as hold a steak knife without committing a felony in the state of New Hampshire. Well, that's why it's time for people to stop participating and start uh, non-cooperating and stop obeying these people because they do not rule you. They should not rule you. They are men and women just like the rest of us. And they need to be uh, seen that way, just like how people in the courtroom today did not stand for the so-called judge as he walked in he's just a man in a robe yelling at people uh so let's start seeing these people for who they really are they they're you know they're s stinks too Dennis, and at the same time we've got to be up on the soapbox on the tv stations on the newspapers on the radio calling them out and at the same time we got to be working on the inside getting our people who agree with us to start rolling back the bad laws it's got to happen boom 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 we're going to leave them nowhere to run. All right, Dennis, I'm putting you on the spot. Quick prediction. You've got like 150 NH Liberty-approved candidates running this year in the general election. How many are going to get elected? I don't know. All I know is if even a quarter of them do, it's going to be one heck of a Liberty caucus. Very good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. 
even in these remaining moments, we'll sneak you in. Dial in, toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we ask you to go and promote us. Go to promote.freetalklive.com to learn a variety of different ways that you can help more listeners come to this program and help expose them to the message of freedom and liberty, which, unfortunately, they're just not getting anywhere else in uh, mass media. Not that we're that mass of media, but we're probably the most mass of any liberty-oriented media we're out trying there. To get, uh, we're trying to get as mass as possible. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so help us out by promoting the show at promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to your calls, Neko is on the line, or Nico, rather, in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, you know, um, I'm always the one who calls and, and asks questions about how certain things would work without the government. And uh, I, I believe in, in complete and total free market solutions for everything. But, you know, there's always questions I have to ask. Um, but the question tonight I want to ask is about the, the whole financial crisis that we're going through now. And, I mean, it, it seems like what we're going through right now is a problem. Um, but what I want to know is how do you think that without the government, some some situation like this wouldn't come up? Um, because, uh, for example, I watched Bush's speech tonight, and he was talking about, um, and let me just say I really don't like this guy, but I was, I was watching his speech just because I like to have a, an unbiased opinion about things. And he was talking about how, you know, the, the price of houses went up and people had good confidence in it and everybody was buying houses and things like that. And too many people, I guess, bought houses, so they built too many houses, and not enough people were buying them later, and it caused a problem. Um, this seems like an an economic thing that would happen naturally. What would the government have done to cause such a situation like this? Um, and do you think that some, something like this would happen without the government um, regulating the economy? No, 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 I don't believe so. Here's why. Starting in the 90s, you had a, a factor, first of all, where the banks were pressured into to opening up more and more loans for people who couldn't really afford them. And, and some banks were actually labeled as racist or they were, uh, threat, they were threatened that they wouldn't be able to expand unless they started making these, these loans to subprime, so-called subprime borrowers, one. So that's government intervention in the economy right there. And then the interest rates they were charging during this boom cycle in real estate were artificially low. The Federal Reserve was driving down interest rates artificially, and then you had the Fed chairman in 2003 encouraging people to take out adjustable rate mortgages. So the banking system was, and, and the government were encouraging, cheering people on to do this stuff. And, and I had neighbors where I lived who were doing it, and I didn't want to do it because I knew better, and, and I really have a, a strong set of principles on how to manage my financial life. But I watched people around me getting rich because they were flipping houses and they were in these houses and had all this equity. I knew it wasn't going to last. I knew it was going was to fall through. But you see, government intervention in the economy begets more government intervention, which begets more. And that's why you have and all the more ba- intervention, the more uh, the market is just shifted off of where it would normally be, the more malinvestment that you see as a result of the intervention. Yes, because all of a sudden the market thinks that there's a demand for houses when there really wasn't. There were just people who want to buy houses to flip them, make money. So you had people owning two, three, four, or five houses or more because they were going up in value. And, and they thought it would pay off if they could hold on to them for a year or so and flip them. And then, of course, the music stopped and they were stuck with them. They had to walk away from them. And now you have all these empty houses and swimming pools, uh, breeding mosquitoes. And, 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 and it's all because of government intervention into the economy. Now, if they had allowed... Uh, the United States to have a recession after the dot-com bubble 
burst, which they caused also, by the way, then at least the the malinvestment could have been flushed out then. But it wasn't politically popular for politicians to allow that to happen. So they try to intervene. They try to pump the economy back up artificially. And, of course, we're on a fiat money system, so they can print money and they can create money out of thin air and credit to their heart's content with a click of a mouse. And that's what they're doing now. They were doing it then, and that's what they're doing now with the bailouts. Yes. So they'll just keep pumping more artificial money into the system, and inflation will continue to happen, and every, it may stave off the absolute crash for a little while longer, but as Gardner was pointing out earlier this week, all it's going to do is delay the inevitable and make the inevitable worse. Worse, and, and they keep doing that, and, and it's, it's a real problem. Now, these bailouts, as we've said before, are highly, highly inflationary because they're creating more money, and they're bailing people out, and they're rewarding bad behavior and imprudent behavior by these institutions. Right, didn't you say the, the right. executives of these uh, banking firms or these investment firms are going to get golden parachutes or something like that? Well, they want to, and now there's, there's a big outcry against it, and Paulson saying, no, they're, they're going to cut that back. So, okay, they'll only get $100 million, so $200 million, mm-hmm. you know, Who knows? It, it, but that's, that's, the, that's the pattern what, of behavior. What it really comes people. down to is that uh, the Federal Reserve and all its little rules has made money less valuable. If money were backed by gold, then money is gold. Gold, and you're going to protect it like gold. If money were protected like silver, you know, any any commodity out there, right? Nobody's going to bail you out if you make a bad investment. Currently, there. any bank that's you know, the, all banks are essentially franchises of the central bank. They're given legally the ability that when you give them a dollar, they're legally allowed to loan nine. We're told, you know, sort of in school that they take in dollars and they loan them out. They don't mention they take in one dollar and loan out nine. And it, it, you know, that's, there's more to it than that. When you sign your name onto a loan, that money's actually created from thin air, so it's not even being loaned out. They're creating that well, money it's in loaned their out. account. It's loaned out. They're, they're creating those $8. Um, do you no, understand? No. What I'm saying is that when you go in to get a home loan and you sign on the line on the loan paperwork, that money did not come from the other people that just deposited money earlier that day. That sure, money that's what was I just created said. from... Th- maybe I misunderstood you. Yeah. Okay. That money- when you deposit $1, they can loan 9 The way that they loan those dollars is by getting someone to agree to borrow that money. Which doesn't exist in the first place. Yeah, well, it, the, it, the one dollar does. The, I mean, the banks are extremely leveraged. But I, sh- I might add that, in contrast to the Great Depression, for example, where we were still on a semblance of a gold standard, the government really couldn't inflate as much back then because everyone had gold in the early 30s. So we had a deflationary imp- uh, depression, which actually is not as harmful as an inflationary or hyperinflationary. Which prices prob- went down. Prices went down. So the little money that was there still bought more than than it did before. Whereas in a hyperinflationary depression, it's far worse because even if you have some money, it's not worth anything. Nico, did you get all that? Yeah, um, but I don't know. I, I kind of don't understand how the, the Federal Reserve can um, artificially raise and lower interest rates and stuff like that. Um, well, the banks know, follow at their, call, their beck and call. That's right. Yeah. The banks are essentially an extension of the Federal Reserve, and so the Federal Reserve controls all the switches. It's a cartel. The uh, banks just have to jump yeah. when they say jump. But, you know, if, if the market decided the interest rates, then the interest rates would always be self-adjusting, and they would uh, be indicative of the supply and demand of money. But when you have a, a situation where you have what's known as negative real interest rates, where they're creating money faster at a higher rate than, than the interest rate that, that you can pay or, or even have a loan out against, they call that negative real interest rates. And during those periods of time, it happened in the 70s, it's happening now, that's when commodities uh, go through a boom cycle because people want to get their money into something tangible Commodity, and real. Commodities are real. Yes, money they're is real. fake. 
There you go, Nico. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 1-800-259-9231. Back to the Snitch Society. Wayne, you've got a story about how it's happening here in America, which we've already known, but it's just another aspect of it. So what's going on? Well, you, yes, you're talking about it over in Britain. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, last weekend, the BBC reported that the U.S. schools are doing the very same thing. Uh, when police armed response units pulled up to Scripps Ranch High School, it was bad news for the teenage boys carrying a replica machine gun around campus. For the student who tipped off police, though, things were looking up. Under an oh incentive scheme at Scripps Ranch, a large San Diego high school, students can call a special tip line to report suspicious activity on campus. Callers whose tips lead to arrests or charges can earn themselves rewards up to $1,000. That buys a few iPods, doesn't it? Yes, sir. The Scripps Ranch tip was accurate. One 16-year-old student had brought a fearsome-looking gas-powered pellet gun into the school, which he sold to a fellow fellow pupil for $150. Uh, by the way, uh, before you go on, a nice enterprising I, I was talking man. to a, a, the guy who lives next door to me, and he's in his 70s. Mm-hmm. But he said, yeah, we used to bring our guns to school, leave them in the corner. Wow. We, well, they walked to school. Yeah. They, they shot their food. Well, yeah, you could mean, have been attacked by a bear on the way to school. So there were several several guns left in the corner. Hmm. Well, that's true, but kids didn't, weren't on all these uh, behavioral drugs and everything either back then. But They weren't it, told guns are bad either. That's true. Neither boy seemed to be intent on, on criminal damage. Instead, police say the buyer was probably hoping to find time for a little target practice in the canyons around Scripps Ranch. So even the cops knew he meant no harm. Mm-hmm. But weeks after a deadly shooting spree at high school at a high school in Red Lake, Minnesota, fears of violence in U.S. schools are running high once more. Under a zero-tolerance approach to weapons in school, carrying anything from a replica Uzi to a simple camping knife through the gates could lead to disciplinary procedures, expulsion, and possible conviction. So, basically, uh, young people have been encouraged to snitch at school for a long time. I mean, even since... I I remember when I was in school, they were encouraging people to snitch. But I don't know if there was a price tag of $1,000, that bounty. I don't know if that was available at that time. That seems kind of new to me. And And this is going on at over 2,000 U.S. schools today. Yep, and they'll expand out from there. Snitch on your neighbors, snitch on your friends, turn them all in, and you'll get cash, cash, cash. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 